Welcome to church. Welcome to the undying body of the ever-living Son, where God's promises and God's people are radically made one. Welcome to the romance of the world, the marriage ceremony of Christ, where God is betrothed to man by proposing with his life. Welcome the only place where the unholy can meet holiness and yet holy still survives. Welcome to the only place that you can walk in dead and yet come out alive. Welcome to this place, this place, whether on pews or chairs, in walls or air, under steeples or stairs, by thousands or in pairs, this place, this place is legendary, holy, ancient, modern, famous, hated, living, vibrant, ageless, not because of a location, not because there are cars parked on the pavement, not because you made a sign and named it. This place is an amazement because of the one who creates it. Welcome to the place where individuals are shaped into a larger whole, where bread and wine feed our hearts and intoxicate our souls, where race, money, and power no longer have a role, where the outcast, impoverished, and broken come to be consoled. Welcome to our home, the bride of Christ on a reckless search. Welcome to life. Welcome to church. Welcome to life. Our friend Ruth died on a Wednesday, right before our eyes. We were a group of people, and she was talking. And when she had finished speaking, her eyes rolled back into her head, and she stiffened in her body, and the color left her face. What we didn't know what was happening is the electrical system in her body had malfunctioned, causing the heart to stop. At that moment, we really wished that we were sitting right in the hospital because in the hospital, there were a bunch of people who knew how to give life. Someone called 911. And as we were laying her on the floor and confirming that there was no pulse and there, there was no breath, this, this rookie cop comes charging through the door, hits the floor and slides up next to Ruth and begins to give her compressions. Hot on his heels are some EMTs, and then finally a, 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 a doctor, an ER doctor, who is actually off duty but heard the call on his radio, and so he comes flying in, and, and they continue compressions and continue compressions and automated compressions, and then they put her on a stretcher, and they take her to the, the close-by hospital, and then they put her in a helicopter, and they fly her to a cardiac hospital. About 36 hours later, she awakens from a chemically induced coma with no long-lasting effects. Welcome to life, Ruth. So on Saturday, Pam says to me, all I can get in, in my head, all I can see is the dead Ruth. We got to go to the hospital so I can replace that with the alive Ruth. So we went into the hospital, and, and Ruth was there with 
one of her daughters, and we walked in, and, and she looked at us. She said, Jack and Pam, what are you doing here in, in Colorado? And her daughter said, Mom, you know that, that you've got short-term memory loss because she didn't remember anything in those hours, those days. And then she turned to us and she said, well, I'm having trouble remembering things, but not too bad for a woman who was dead that just came alive. <laughs> Welcome to life, Ruth. Jesus, Jesus, Son of God, why did you come here? What are you doing here? And Jesus answers that question, already identifying Satan as a thief, and he says this, the thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. But I came that they might have what? Life and have it abundantly. For I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He says, I came. It's an important word. It means I appeared. I showed up. I was here. I came to give you, I came to appear so that you could have, I have come to bring you life. And he doesn't say just life, he characterizes it with what word? Abundant life. It means excessive. It means extreme. It means it cannot be measured. So Shrek, let me pick on you a moment. So let's say that you're dying of thirst and hunger. And that, that, there, that you can try to find things that'll make you, I mean, you can, you can try to wring, wring some, some water out of, out of, out of a journal and, or, or try to eat the, the cushioning on the, on the pews. It's not going to help. But let's just say that this, this $1 is, represents the value that you need. This is everything you need for life so that you will no longer hunger or thirst. It's all there. It, 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 it's, it, 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 it's for you. It, it's yours. But you don't have to take it. <laughs> I mean, you can try something else. You can ask somebody else for the stuff. But really, you know, you, 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 it's yours. It really is yours. You, but you don't have to take it. <laughs> the choice is yours. But will you take it? Yes, you will. Yeah. <laughs> so this is pretty cool. You've got all the life you need. But here's what Jesus says. He says, oh, no, 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 no. Not just that. But look, here we go. Dude, I'm going to bring you more. There you go. Pick it all up, please. <laughs> and hang on to it. Grab it. It's all right there. He says, I'm going to pour on you an extreme abundance. Where Jesus is... We can experience excessive life, but it's our choice. So Jesus tells the story. He said, now look, because they're used to an agricultural society. He said, this guy's planting his field, and he's taking the seed and broadcasting it as they do. And he throws it down, and it lands on the pathway by the side of the field that is trampled upon, and the seed lands there, and some birds come and eat up the seed. He says, I also throw some, uh, he also throws some on, on, the, on the, the soil that's very thin and it's got rocks in it and it lands there. And he says, I also, he also throws some in this soil that has hidden weeds and then he throws some in the soil that is really, 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 really good soil. And they say, okay, we don't have a clue what you just said. Share with us what you're saying. And so Jesus 
tells him what he means. And he says this, and we're going we're gonna to camp out all the way through Luke 8. So if you've got your own Bible, you might want to turn there because you might want to circle some words. Luke 8. The seed is the word of God. And, and that word of God, that, mean, that word is rhema. I mean, that word is logos, and it, and it means the, the very essence of God himself. The seeds on the road are those who hear the word, but no sooner do they hear it than the devil snatches it from them so they won't believe and be saved. The seeds in the gravel are those who hear with enthusiasm, but the enthusiasm doesn't go very deep. It's only another fad, and the moment there's trouble, it's gone. And the seed that fell in the weeds, well, these, these are the ones who hear, but then the seed is crowded out and nothing comes of it as they go about their lives worrying about tomorrow, making money, and having fun. But the seed and the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on no matter what, sticking with it until there is a what? Until there's a harvest. He said, so here's the problem. Satan, who is the author of death, intends for no one to ever discover life. And so somehow he blinds us and we're convinced that this thing about Jesus is not real. And so we don't, we don't, we don't take hold of this. He said, then there's some folks who are really pumped about this whole thing about Jesus and about their forgiveness and about their freedom until things get really rough and then they wonder why God deserted them and they say, never mind, I don't want you, when they should have just opened up and let Jesus pour life into their crisis. He said, there's other folks who want God to control their eternal life, but they want to keep control of their present life. And he said, then there's these other folks they open up and they invite Jesus to pour every bit of life into every part of them. And he says it produces a harvest. There it is, the extra, the abundance. What's the harvest for? What's the extra for? Is it so that I can have more stuff? Because he said, no, no, that's already, we've told, talked about having more stuff just crowds out life. So what's that stuff for? We get life to give life. So Shrek, I gave you more than enough. So what if he is hungry and thirsty? What are you going to do? He gave you, you gave him a bunch. And what if, what if he's hungry and thirsty? Well, you got to keep one. <laughs> but, but what, you guys next to each other. But, but, but what, if, what if he needs it? Yeah, but don't go away. What if he needs it? <laughs> and, and what if she needs it? We know Andy needs it. <laughs> Who else needs it? Okay. I think they got the point. You can sit down. <laughs> Life-giving is made to be mobile. When we called 911, the, the dispatch operator did not just, she didn't say to us, oh, wow, gosh, I wish you were in a hospital. Because if you're in a hospital, there's doctors there. That would be just so awesome if you were in a hospital. Are you close to one? She said, no, here's what you need to do. I'm sending someone. And you know that, that two weeks before that incident, the Estes Park medical community taught that rookie cop CPR. 
he was equipped to give life, and they sent him to be mobile so that he could get there wherever death was. We can't demand that all dying people just show up to the hospital. We have created within our own community systems where if death is showing up, we have people who have been equipped to give life and they are mobile and they get there. That's why Jesus said, I came to you. I didn't say, hey, come up to heaven and I'll help you out. I came to give you life. You know, when, when, when that cop got the radio call, he wasn't on his way over and suddenly he passed Krispy Kreme and the hot sign came on. He said, oh, donuts, yeah. He didn't even stop to give somebody a ticket. He didn't say, oh, life is so miserable for me right now. My wife and I are having troubles and we're supposed to go to a counselor this morning and gosh, I got to go to the counselor. I, I've got to do that. I, I got to get there. He didn't say, you know, my goal in life, because I really have some high goals, is to become detective, and the detective test is on that, that Wednesday morning, and I've just, I've got to go, I've got to get there. He didn't. He is, he is equipped to save and give life, and life giving is made to be a priority above everything else. It is a priority. So, so, Jen Kerr, you lead worship, and you love worship, and so I have a question for you. What, what, what would happen if, if today after service you got a phone call? Who's your favorite worship band? Oh, my favorite. There's so many good ones. Well, let's try one. Let's go Carrie Job. Job. So you get a call from Carrie Job, and she says, you know, I've been listening to your worship stuff, and, and you are just awesome, and I think you'd fit good, so I want you to come, and I want you to lead worship with me. We're going to pay you all the money you need. Your husband can retire. It's just, it, it'll, be, it'll be great. And so, but the deal is, I'm just coming through town now, and so you've got to, right after service, you just got to pick up and you got to go, and everything you need to be taken care of is going to be taken care of. It's just, and, and you're going to play worship with me for years. It's going to, would that be awesome? It would just be awesome, wouldn't it? Yes. But, but what at the same time, as soon as you hung up the phone, you get a phone call from, from Donald Trump, and, and he says, you don't know this, but, but we, have, we, we have connections. We're, we're, we're actually relatives, and, and, and I've, been, I've been studying who you are, and I'm checking you out, and, and I think that you need some money, and, and so here's what I'm going to do. I've got my jet waiting at the airport, so go there immediately. And, and, and come on over, and I'm going to give you money for the rest of your life, and you can do whatever you want. You can sponsor whatever missions you want, so, but you've got to come right now. So, so you got a choice. you got a choice between going with Kerry Job or going to Donald Trump, and you got to choose one because both of them want you right now. What are you going to do? Better pray. Better pray. Now, I have one other thing. What at that very moment you have to get out and choose one of those things? I fall over dead, and you know CPR. You better give the right answer. You're given the CPR. All right, you can keep leading worship here. That's good. Here's the deal. Life giving is a priority established by God. Absolutely is. So, but, so what, if, what if Jen said, yeah, but, 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 you know, I really don't know you that well. Life giving is made for everyone. 
As Jesus is teaching in this whole section, Luke has put this all together because there's a purpose behind how he's listed everything in Luke 8. Jesus is teaching and, and all, on all of this, and it says that his mother and his brothers show up to see Jesus, and they can't get in because the crowd is so big. And so somebody says, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are out here. And Jesus startles them all by his answer, and here's what he says. He replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. He says, you want to know who belongs to the family? And this is literally what it means. Anybody who's in the audience, who's listening, who's beginning to open up their heart and letting my life come in, they get life. Anybody. See, it's interesting that when the cop came sliding into the floor and began to do compressions, he didn't stop first and go, okay, now before we begin, I just need to ask a few questions. What is Ruth's ethnicity? How much does she make a year? What has she done for society and the community? And most importantly, is she a Browns or a Steelers fan? <laughs> she just needed life, and he knew CPR. So what are we doing here in this community of Erie First Assembly. What is our designed purpose for these next 12 months, our emphasis? CPR. We're going to define that for you today, next Sunday, and the Sunday after. You want to know what we're all about? This is it. We're not a program-focused church. We're, 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 we're not here to, to just draw crowds. We are here to give CPR. We are a life-giving community. And life-giving communities connect. They are mobile. So next week, during our five-minute greeting, that greeting that extroverts love and introverts hate, that greeting where the extroverts won't be seated and the introverts hide in the bathroom. During that five-minute greeting, we're going to empty out the balconies and the galleries and have you come down here, and we're going to ask all of you to change where you're seated. See, now the extroverts go, yes, more people. Why? Number one, because we want you to feel more intimate together. So be sure you shower. Number two, because you never know who God's going to connect you to that you'll have a word of life. And number three, we want you to see all the space that's available for you to bring people to worship with you that you're connecting to. Now, at this moment, a bunch of you got concerned. Some of you said, we're not coming next week. You said, well, wait, 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 but we, we got our group. We, decide, we got a group of people that we look for each other, and we're, we're together. That's great. But you don't understand, I've been, seating, I've been sitting in this seat for the last 25 years. It's got your divot, exactly. <laughs> but Jesus says, Mama, 
make room because I got more family members and there's more on the way. So now here's the deal. So hear me clearly. We're not going to do that next week. <laughs> but why were some of you more concerned about your seat than you were about saving lives? Luke goes on to say this, that, that one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the sanctuary. He didn't say sanctuary, he said lake. My mistake. The word let's go over is a really interesting word. It actually means to pierce through, to go to where you've not been before. So what's, what's, what are they piercing through? Where are they going? What's on the other side? Well, on the other side of that lake are people not like them. On the other side of the lake are, are Gentiles, are people that they consider unclean and not worthy to even touch. They're on that side. On that side, they're demon people. And Jesus says to them, let's pierce through that and get over there. So I want to tell you right now, connecting with other people is not easy. It's not. As they make their way, a big storm hits. Jesus is asleep in the boat because he's at peace. He's the prince of peace. He controls everything. He's asleep. There are those historians and theologians who looked at the story and say Satan was the designer behind the storm because he didn't want them to pierce through. They didn't want them to go to the other side. I want to tell you that when you decide because of Jesus and his life he's given you that you're going to share your life with other people, you're going to get some storms. And Satan is going to try to, to stop you. But you keep going. So they say to Jesus, they awaken him and say, don't you care? And Jesus says, don't you have faith? And Jesus then says to the storm, literally, be muzzled. Just stop it. I want to tell you that, that as you connect with other people, because that's what we're called to do. That's the, that's the C in the CPR. We've got to connect. We're not a hospital that says, hey, if you're dying, come on over and join us. We're out there saying, we're mobile. What do you need? And if you're used to just going to church because it's a thing to do on Sunday, if you're used to just hanging out here and letting other people do it or say, hey, pastor, we pay you to do that. No, you don't pay me to do that. You pay me to equip you. And I'm not going to just do your job because God's holding me accountable for what you do. Now, quit messing around. We've got to connect with other people. And, and even when it gets tough, when it gets intense, when you get attacked, you've got to stop and say, but Jesus is in the boat, and he's the Prince of Peace, and so we're going to keep going, and nothing's going to stop me. So they get to the other side, and they meet a demon man. So many demons, they can't count. They can't hold him in place. He breaks everything open. Chains are like, like thin pieces of flax. He just, he just busts them open, runs around naked. He just, so he's running up to Jesus, naked, cut, and just out of his mind. And he, just, he, he looks like an old rocker, you know. He's just, he's a mess. <laughs> the demons show up, and Jesus connects. So I'm going to tell you this, that sometimes... When we connect, 
we're going to connect with evil people. They're just going to be downright evil. But Jesus didn't run. In fact, the presence of Jesus and the words of Jesus made the demons run right off a cliff. So when you're dealing with evil people and connecting to them, if you will clothe yourself in worship, that you will adore Jesus 24 hours a day, that you will put worship music and, and, and God thoughts in your mind, and you'll come to worship gatherings, and you clothe yourself in worship, the presence of Jesus is walking with you in this very same way that Jesus showed up at the Decapolis, at, at, at this place across the lake, and the presence of Jesus was there, and the demon said, whoa, what do you want? And if you will live out the words of God, the words you study in Scripture, if you will clothe yourself with those words, those words will permeate out from you and stand with you so that those forces will leave and you continue to connect. So here's what happened to the man. Luke records it. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feast, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Mr. Demon Man, formerly Mr. Demon Man, welcome to life. Speaking of evil people, Pastor Jason, come up here a moment. So, he was an evil man. Pastor Jason, you used to be a Satan worshiper. Tell me about how that affected your relationship with your parents. Um, I, uh, I, I hated my parents uh, so much to the degree. I, I mean, I was so filled uh, with evil um, that I... Uh, I had written a plan actually to, to kill my parents, um, very detailed, the dates, the times, uh, even how I was going to talk to the police afterwards. Um, I had such a deep hatred for them and uh, such evil towards them. Okay. You were also, in addition to that, if that wasn't bad enough, you were part of the Aryan Nations. How did you feel about anybody other than white? Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, I, I had such a deep hatred and such a deep evil for anyone that uh, their, where their skin was not Caucasian. Um, my main emphasis was to, to destroy their lives. Okay. So you're, you're a pretty evil guy, and somebody connected. Who was that, and what happened? I had these two guys in my life that... Um, I really didn't know, and, and this one guy, his name was Ralph, and uh, his name was Ralph McGill, and he was, a, he was literally a cowboy. Um, that was his full-time job, and our paths crossed one day, and he looks at me, and uh, he just says, look, man, your life is going the wrong way, and you're either going to end up dead or, or in jail for the rest of your life, and I want to just tell you what Jesus can do for you. And so at that moment, I didn't give my life to the Lord. I listened to Ralph, um, and it was like he just opened me up and read every aspect of my life. And then I, I had a radical encounter with Jesus, and I met another guy. His name was Dave Bishop. And for six straight months, every week, I would travel out to his house 
in the middle of no man's land, and I would sit in a chair, and he would read scripture to me for hours, and he would just talk to me about Jesus' love, and it changed my life. That's great. Thank you. See, I think it's really good that I'm sure that Jason's parents were praying for him that he would discover Jesus and would come to church, but sometimes just praying for people to come to church is not what God wants. God wants the church to come to people. Otherwise, otherwise they'll never hear. So the man in his right mind says to Jesus, this is pretty cool, so I want to travel with your church. Let's go. And Jesus then responds to this guy who wants to travel with him, and Jesus says this to him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and, lay, and, and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus said, I don't want you to come with me, but here in this place called the Decapolis, the place of ten cities, ten cities, I want you to go save lives in your own neighborhood. Get going. Jesus goes across the lake, goes back, and he meets a guy who's part of a group of people who oppose him. They've been pretty hateful pretty nasty to Jesus. And he comes asking Jesus for a favor, and Jesus doesn't say to him, well, well wait a minute, wait a minute, what, you oppose me. He didn't say that to him. He didn't say to him, did you change your mind? Are you on my side now? He didn't rebuke him. He didn't say, hey, ask for forgiveness. Instead, Jesus saw the pain in this guy's life that his 12-year-old daughter, his only daughter, was dying, and Jesus did not make him change anything at that moment. Instead, instead Jesus decided I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to put life in you, even in your opposition. Even though you oppose me, I'm going to give you life. At times, you're going to connect with those who oppose us. I have a friend in this church whose business is next to an adult industry business, a nasty business, stands for everything that she doesn't like opposition to what we would say is the life that Jesus wants in this city. So this week, she just gets this sense from God, go next door and invite them to rock the lakes. So she does. And, I don't know, but she introduced them to the beginning of life. See, life givers hold no prejudice. They, they don't say, okay, but first if you do this, 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 and this, then maybe, maybe I'll, I'll share with you. They just give life. So on his way to the sick girl, Jesus is walking, and there's a huge crowd around him, and suddenly he just stops and says, who touched me, which is a crazy statement because everybody's pressed. It's, it says it's, it's crowding him, it's pressing him, it's crushing him, but he says, whoa, whoa, some, something happened here supernaturally. He said, virtue went out of me. The power to do something just left me. He said, who touched me? And this woman says, I touched you. Now, this is a woman who's been hemorrhaging for 12 years, and they can't stop it. And somehow she's crawled through the crowd because she can't walk through the crowd. She's crawled through the crowd and she's reached up and she's grabbed his robe. And there are those theologians who believe that she was acting according to the, the culture of that time, the Hellenistic superstition that was this. If you find a magic man and you touch the magic man, you get the magic in you. 
And Jesus stopped and said, who did this? She said, I did. And he said, okay. And he didn't say to her, your, your, your faith is confused. You've mixed up your faith. You, you can't do this superstition stuff, this magic stuff. He, he doesn't do that. And you're going to come in contact with people. You're going to connect with people whose, whose faith is confused. And Jesus didn't stop and say, now let, let me give you a theological lesson before we go any further. Let, let, me, let me straighten you out. He didn't do that. He just said, I know why you're doing this. And somewhere you got a little bit of faith, although it may be somewhat confused, but it's enough faith. And Jesus then rewards her for her confused faith. How many of you have ever had confused faith? He said, I'm gonna, I'm, I still love you enough. I'm going to respond to your confused faith. And so he says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your confused faith has healed you. Go in peace daughter. What about the other daughter, the daughter he's going to take care of? Well, while that's happening, this guy's servants come to him and say, hey, hey don't, don't bother him anymore. Your daughter died. But see, Jesus is not bothered because Jesus has passion. Jesus has passion for life. Therefore, any interruption is not a bother. When someone needs life, Jesus says, I'm going there. So Jesus says this. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she'll be healed. So Jesus goes to her house. He takes her by the hand. And it says, her spirit which had been gone returns, which means she was dead. Her spirit returns. The dead has come to life. Welcome to life. So, so many of us have sung the song, if you're a kid, and I don't know if, they still, if you still teach kids this or not, I'm going to find out soon because I've just got, I got one grandchild and another on the way, so I'll see if we teach this kid these songs. But do you remember the song, row, row, row your boat? You know, row, row, row your boat down the stream. Don't look at me like that. You say it's not a worship song. It is now. Sing it with me. <laughs> row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. Okay. And, and did you ever do it in rounds? Cool song, huh? So let's just do this. You all up there go first time, and then you guys second time, and you over there third time. Ready? Row, row. Stop. You're pitiful. <laughs> Come on. Belt it out. Ready? There you go. Okay, thank you. I know, you feel like you have to finish it, don't you? All right, so here's the deal. We think the church is like that. We're going to get in this boat together, and we're going to row, row, row our boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 joyfully, beautifully, lovely, yes. Because life is but a... And all our dreams will come true. So we'll come together on Sunday, and we will row our boats, and we'll go back out and say, how was church? Oh, we rowed wonderfully today. <laughs> we were merrily, and I have such good dreams. Now, in your head, I want you to sing that song again but I want you to see a different scene and see if it doesn't affect how you look at the church. Pull! 
Pull! Come on, put your backs into it! Pull! will pull us down if we don't keep going. We've lots more room. I say we go back. No! It's our lives now, not theirs. And I'm in charge of this boat, madam. Now row! This is the captain! Come back to the ship! So could it be that God is yelling toward the church saying, don't drift away from death, but come back. Charge this direction. Come this way. We've got so much more room. Life receivers are made to be life givers. So there's these signs that we placed around the pews while you were greeting each other. And it says, who will you invite? Look at the space. Look at the room. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Hoping someone shows up? Or, or are we connecting with people and saying, come with us. Walk this way with us. I'm here to help you heal, bring you life. Who are you inviting to rock the legs? Who did you write down on that card in, in your bulletin that says, in, in your program service folder, what, who, who am I thinking about and praying for that needs life? Who do you know around you that's dying? Who do you know whose hope is dying, whose dreams are dying, whose relationships are dying, whose faith is dying? Who do you know? The goal for our next 12 months is that every one of us give CPR. And the first thing is that every one of us helps somebody connect to Jesus. If somebody asks you what Erie First Assembly is about, say, we just want to connect people to Jesus. That's what we're going to do. Oh, I mean, what big program? What, you want a bigger program than go into all the world and, 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 and preach the gospel? I think that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, but I mean, what, what do you got going for? What we got going is that I'm going to connect with my neighbors and my friends. I'm, I'm, Jesus made the statement. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And that word, the whole thing about the gospel simply means this. He said, go make disciples. And making disciples is helping people understand the li life that Jesus has for them and how to inculcate that into their life. That's what discipleship is. Here's life. Let's get it in you. And he said, 
as you are going. It's, it's, it's a present tense, continuous, as you are going, not as you are saying, staying, not as you're seated, not as you go to church on Sunday morning just by itself, as you are going, as you are going into your small group, who you're taking with you, as you're coming to worship service. See, there are friends, if you'd bring in worship service, and we have these wonderful worship expressions that while we're worshiping Jesus, he says his throne is established here, and he reveals himself. And I've seen people come in here that have been invited, and they don't know Jesus, but as they're seated there, they begin to break and crack and, and begin to cry and say, I don't know why. And I'm saying, because you're finding life that you didn't have before. Do you know Jesus is going to ask us about this when he sees us? What did you do with the life I gave you? Because I gave you enough to share. As you're going, as you're going, as you're going to work, as you're going in that classroom in Penn State Barron, as, as you're walking in the grocery store, as you're, as you're sitting down with coffee at Starbucks, as you're going, give life. Because life is mobile. Because if you do that, if you are there with them, then a life-giving church is present there too. And you get to say, welcome to church. Welcome to life. So will you stand, please? Just in the reverence of this moment, I want you to think about somebody around you or people around you that, not here necessarily, but people around you in your life that may be dying inside. There's just part of them that's dying and they need life. And I want you to say to Jesus, and he's going to listen. In fact, I just even want you to picture him being there and you saying to him this. I want to give life to that person. Give me the opportunity. Because when you ask him, he will. So let's just pause a moment, and I just want you to do that. Now, I also want to do this. Because seated in this place today, now standing some of you very well could be saying, I need life. I, I need life. I need this, this Jesus journey. I need, to, I need to be with him because parts of my life are just dying and I, I don't know what to do about it. So we're going to connect because we're community, because we give life. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to turn to the people around you and just say to them, do you need life? And if that's you, say Yes. You say, I don't know the people around me. You're about to find a new friend. And so I just want you to turn in just a moment and say, do you need life? And if, if that person says yes, then you and that person can come down here and just join with me because we're going to pray a prayer to seal that, that beginning of a journey of life. We're not going to embarrass you or single you out. But this is really vital. Because Jesus said that I've come to give you life and to give it so extreme that you'll have more than enough. And it's time for you to get more than enough. So would you right now just turn to the people around you and just say to them, do you need life? Say it. 
Come on. And if the answer is yes, come join me right here. Come join me right here. That's it. That's it. That's cool. That's good. Yeah. 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 And some of you, some of you wanted to say yes, and you didn't because you said, "This is a, I've not been here. I, these are strange people. I don't know." But now you say, "I wish I did." So, um, just I want you to turn to each other one more time and say, "Are you sure?" And then if the and then say, "Yeah, I, I'm on, I, I need this." And then just come up here. So just turn and say, "Are you sure?" Come on, don't look at me. Look at each other. Are you sure? And if you need to come on down, or come on down. I'll wait for you. That's great. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. This is all about life. Yeah. So, so we're going to pray a prayer that, that's truth. It comes out of the scriptures. It's going to help seal this because this is real. And so I'm going to invite you to pray this with me. And as an encouragement, a lot of these folks who have prayed a prayer of faith will pray along with you to be an encouragement to you. But just repeat after me and make it from your heart. Dear Jesus... I want a new life. I want your life. For you promised that if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me for my sins and to cleanse me from all impurity. So I, I believe you're forgiving me right now and my sins are erased. You also promised that I would become a child of God, if I believe. So I now declare I'm your child. Now I invite you to guide my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's great. Okay, so now what I want you to do, Pastor Jason, he's going to go up to these steps right here. He's no longer an evil man, so do not be afraid of him. <laughs> and we have just something we want to give to you to help guide you now in this path. And, and the folks you came with will wait for you, I promise. Otherwise, I'll give you a ride home. You'll be fine. Uh, but we want to just give you something. Nothing weird or wacky is going to happen back there. And, and we have something we want to give to you. And then you'll be on your way. And we'll connect with you even later this week. So we invite you to just go up these steps. If you have trouble with steps, the ushers will get you around from the back. But just let's just go up this way. The people that came with you will, will go with you there. That's great. Yeah. So... That's life-changing right there, but it doesn't just happen right there. It can happen at your kitchen table, and it can happen at your desk at work. It can happen during break time. It can happen on the, on the lacrosse field. It, it can happen at Wegmans. It can happen where you work. It can happen anywhere because you just said to Jesus, I hope you did, give me opportunity. So now don't miss the opportunity. 
And there's nothing more exciting than to see somebody. When we saw Ruth come back to life, there's nothing like that. And you're going to see some people come back to life as Jesus enters their life. But it's time for you to start inviting people. There is no reason why this place can't be full of people who've come to know Jesus this week because all of us talk to them. Do you think that, because Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. I need these people to, to bring people in. So I hope the day comes that we have to fill this place over and over again because there are just so many people that, that are finding life. Why not? So I'm just going to tell you, I'm not satisfied with a liturgical thing. I want life. And so I'm going to do my part, you do your part, and we're going to see Jesus do an awesome thing in us and through us. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Have a great day.